You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, uh, wrap up uh, from Monday, uh, day three of practices. Um, yesterday, your first padded practice um, in the rain. Uh, some team, obviously a lot of lives, some hitting. Um, so we're going to get into that today here. Obviously, some thoughts here, offense, defensive, you know, where we are. Three practices in from the field, obviously, in Berea. Your host, Jeff Lloyd, joined today from SI.com. Mr. Pete Smith, um, obviously, you know, we'll get into this a little bit more in depth, you know, the defense ahead of the offense, which is normally the case here, especially with the new um, offense, you know, being employed, uh, being instituted here with the Cleveland Browns. The big story, though, yesterday, and it was a lot of speculation until you finally saw it. I didn't pick it up. You know, watching it live yesterday, then somebody actually was able to, you know, basically slow it down and actually found, you know, where Nick Chubb, Nick Chubb got injured. Um, it's it's live. People are excited. Um, normally, you're not going to wrap your own teammate and get your head that high. I think maybe putting Nick Chubb into the concussion protocol may have been how he actually hit the ground. Um, but let's put it this way, Pete. Nick does not need to take another contact rep before Baltimore. Let's just get him right if you got to throw a goddamn red contact jersey on him. For the rest of the summer, let's just go ahead and do that. I don't think anybody's concerned about Nick Chubb when it's you know time to go live, but obviously a little bit of scare this early in training camp. Well, my concern with with Chubb is entirely uh, you know getting him physically acclimated for the regular season. So he needs to be able to take on some contact just to get used to it. I mean, that's you know it's just how it goes. Um, I, I, I watched the tackle, uh, Mac Wilson's. Uh, He's right on where he's putting his head. He's right on sort of his approach to the tackle. I mean, that's how you're supposed to tackle somebody from the side. The, the issue is Chubb is just so much lower than he is that he doesn't adjust, and he ends up sort of over the top of him. Um, I don't know what, you know if this is going to ultimately turn into some sort of neck thing as opposed to a concussion because, you know, there's no hesitation on Chubb. He gets right up and walks off the field. It's not like he's down. So I don't know if that was basically like the team going, well, he's done enough. Get him off the field. Uh, we're going to take a look at it or what. But uh, having seen it, uh, I'm very curious to see what the actual result is. Um, you know, not having him practice really allows them to get – Kareem Hunt comfortable in his role, uh, and it really allows them to focus on that third running back battle, uh, presumably between Dontrell Hilliard and Dearness Johnson, though Benny LeMay would probably like to get some reps there too. Um, so you get that, but, you know, you, you need Chubb to get his timing down with this new line, especially if it's uh, Nick Harris early. Uh, you already got Jedrick Wills and you got Jack Conklin. Those are new guys, so he just needs to get – um acclimate i don't I, I don't think that will be a too too big of a deal but it's just one of those things where you want him to be able to sort of get comfortable with pace the timing and those type of things he's a great back he, he sees well he's really intelligent in how he plays so those seem like minor deals but you know you just don't want to see anyone get hurt so that's you know that's obviously the concern and this has been going around, uh, you know, obviously the league here, a lot of, you know, predominant players, a lot of players going down early. And, you know, look, with the way 
with, you know, no OTAs and, you know, look, everybody just trying to you know, be held accountable to keep themselves in shape. That's fantastic. But, you know, as always in the old cliche, there's in shape and then there's football shape. And, you know, with the abbreviated camp and what you're working with here, it's on it's going to happen. And it always happens, obviously, once we you know start to ramp it up here. Um, just, you know, fingers crossed, hopefully, uh, hopefully, it's, you know, not really that big of a deal. I mean, when it first came out, neck, the first thing you think of when you think of Nick Chubb is he really doesn't have a neck because he's just so damn thick. Um, and obviously the way it was put out and speculated, you know, without video footage. Uh, and th- this is kind of where it does get weird, though, Pete, because it was a really, really strong day for the linebackers. Um, there's been a lot of talk about this position. Um, and every time a name pops up that may be available, everybody wants to put it to it, you know, put the linebacker to the Browns. Every mock draft you see, almost everybody to a man is putting linebacker in the first round where you have this front office with their philosophy that they think if it's, you know, maybe a numbers approach and at least the guys can run and what they want to do as far as nickel and dime. But all in all, I mean, even, you know, whether it was, you know, whether it was Jacob Phillips, you know, whether there were, you know, Taki Taki, these guys look, I mean, granted, it's a small sample size here. It's early in camp um, and they're ahead of the offense, but it looks like, you know, for what the questions may be, these guys may be able to serve the purpose that's going to be asked of them. Well, look, I mean, the the, the design of the defense is to basically make the linebackers into C-ball, get-ball players, and hopefully that allows them to play faster uh, and, and not have to cover as much ground um, as, you know, Joe Schobert and, and up until he got hurt, Chris Kirksey were supposed to last year. Um, again, the investment on this team is defensive line and secondary. So if they can limit the scope of what linebackers can do, they can really simplify it and allow them to just play fast and let them let them attack. Now, who is ultimately going to be the best of, the, of that is going to be interesting to see. Um, I think it it certainly helps a guy like Sione Takitaki, and I, I think it helps a guy like Jacob Phillips because he's very smart. Uh, and, and sees how the game is progressing, and, and, it, and it, with with Phillips, it's entirely about you know the physicality. He's 21. Um, you know, is he going to be able to ha- hold up? Is his speed and how quickly he plays enough to sort of get him over and allow him to sort of beat be plays the spot, which is a lot of what he did at, did at LSU. His physicality was inconsistent, uh, taking on blocks and things like that. But he was really, really good at just sort of you know, short-circuiting plays before they were happening. And maybe, uh, I, I know much was made of, of Mac Wilson sort of reaching out to uh, to KO Spikes and some of these other players in the offseason. If he's learned to read uh, how offenses are playing, then he's going to be a different player. That has been the entire weakness. He was awful at it at Alabama. They basically got fed up and just blitzed him all the time. And he was bad at it last year where he would end up on, you know, the exact wrong side of the field on some plays because he, he, he was, you know, he was getting fooled on reads or whatever. So if he has improved that aspect of his game, he suddenly becomes a more dynamic option because he, at that point he is a former five-star athlete, high school prospect that, that, that you have that sort of figured it out. Sione Takitaki is the most physically gifted of the group. Uh, in, in terms of his size and strength and those type of things, which makes him interesting. Uh, and, and if if that if the simpler the defense gets, the the worse it is probably for B.J. Goodson. 
Uh, he's probably ben benefits the most by playing in sort of a, a, a old school, uh, you know, having to see and read and do those things. He's more of a pure run defender, but you know, you simplify it, it, which is what they should do. It really makes it easier for young players to hopefully have an impact. Now uh, that, you know, the one day, hopefully that's, that's, you know, an indication of where this is going. If it is, then, you know, with everything the Browns have going on defense and, and fingers crossed, they stay healthy. Uh, then they can, you know, if, if they can get a productive second level, then that becomes a potential game changer for, you know, what we can sort of look at it at this as uh, to be expected from this defense. Um, and with Goodson, obviously, when they were in the, you know, the traditional base four three, you know, he was the Mike, he was calling, obviously, the defense. Question is going to be, you know, if they're not going to go that route that much, who's going to end up essentially maybe wearing the green dot? Um, we're going to get to, you know, things of this nature. And obviously, we'll talk a little bit more about the rookies on defense here as we keep rolling along on your Tuesday, Locked on Browns. RockAuto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like the airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or an account login. Best of all, prices at RockAuto.com are, again, reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to RockAuto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know that we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Pete, one of the things I took away from yesterday that was interesting, and it was Grant Delpit after practice. And, you know, kind of as we talked about yesterday, Jarvis Landry, um, Carl Joseph held out of the first padded practices. Sometimes with guys, there's no way you can tell them, look, you need to, you know, go half. And, you know, the best way to do that, and especially with the, you know, the uh, field being wet yesterday is to say, look, just don't get dressed. Um, you know, we're, we're going to basically save you. So Grant Delpit got a lot of run yesterday, got run with the ones. And, you know, he made the point of saying, you know, he's learning strong safety. He's learning free safety. And we have thought about this. And with Joe Woods, I don't think there's essentially strong safety, free safety, or even nickel. I think there's, you know, you play safety for us and there's a variety of roles that you're going to have to perform. Granted, as it weeds itself out and who looks better doing what, well, that's maybe what will be uh, you know, predominantly put on their plate, so to speak. But, you know, Grant Delpit, obviously, you know, you know, a, you know a highly valued prospect, even though we went in the se second round, decorated career at LSU. And for now, and we had questions about how this was going to go with some of these young guys with such a small amount of time to prepare them for week one. Basically, it's, you know, Grant Delpit, get out there and do it. And if you make mistakes, we'll sit down later and we'll correct the mistakes. But get out there. You know, hopefully, you know your assignment and just go play ball. Well, you mentioned Carl Joseph. He only knows one speed, and that's part of his problem. Uh, Which he, is why we all loved him coming out of West Virginia. Yeah, I mean, he 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 likes to lay the wood. I mean, he, he's incredibly physical, uh, and, you know, at, at times he can be sort of a double-edged sword in terms of how he racks up his own body and how and delivering punishment to the opponent. So, you know, that, that doesn't surprise me at all that they would, would sit him down on occasion to sort of, you know, mitigate that. 
Um, I think when it comes to Joe Woods and, and what the defense is going to do for the most part, the, the players are going to determine roles. Um, but it, he wants to be able to disguise coverages. So, you know, the, the free may be more inclined to, to drop back and, and, and go into uh, cover the deep middle or something like that. But if, you know, your strong safety can do that, then you can essentially reverse it and you can have what would be the free safety come on a blitz or, or come down and, and, and man cover somebody or take the short zone or whatever. Well, strong safety is dropping back deep. Like they want to be able to sort of have that amount of ability to confuse quarterbacks and hopefully get some reads and stuff like that. I think the slot is a little bit of a different animal. Uh, I think, you know, you want somebody who can hands on, who can, who, who can, adjust and, and deal with tight ends off the line of scrimmage or, or, or if they can deal with receivers and sort of, uh, you know, jam them initially, that that certainly helps. And and if you get somebody like Delpit has done this, but other guys are in the same boat, uh, the ability to, to rush the passer, this is something he's really good at at LSU. Uh, but, you know, I, I think ultimately the, the ideal situation is for them to be able to have Carl Joseph at strong, uh, Grant Delpit at free, and then, you know, somebody else that potentially Sheldrick Redwine. He's the one that keeps standing out to me because he's done this at, in the slot. But if they get into, you know, let's say it's third and, and 15, I, I think they'd rather take Carl Joseph off the field and put Sandeo out there or put Redwine out there and have Joseph, or, uh, sorry, Delpit and uh, Redwine be able to drop back deep, help in coverage because they're more specialized for that. So not only are they, are, are they, you know, the ability uh, to have them do different things, but you have a room with different body types and, and different skill sets that allows you to adjust uh, to deal with, with, different situations uh and again remember this goes back to what we were talking about yesterday where nickel may not necessarily just mean you know a third cornerback nickel could mean for joe woods's defense that a you know a third safety comes on and obviously you can use them unilaterally and move you know guys around as you need um and here's another one now we had talked about jordan elliott and i think everybody you know like oh so and so on defense is getting run with the ones no this is you know moving players, moving, moving players in and out on the defensive line. And obviously, you know, defensive end, Miles Garrett has not been a part of anything yet. But Jordan Elliott, obviously what is going to be asked of Jordan Elliott at this point is probably going to be a little bit more than originally thought. Granted, he can't replace the presence and exactly what an Andrew Billings obviously was brought in here to do. And we'll see how that works out with Anku, you know, and Daniel Aquale. But, you know, Jordan Elliott, and there's you're seeing the flashes, you know, quick off the ball. Um, he's able to get in the backfield. And now the, the, the sizable portion for Jordan Elliott is, is there for the opportunity. Um, you know, we thought this was going to be a defensive tackle that went, you know, ran minimum four deep. Um, now you're confident in two. And look, it's not a knock on Jordan Elliott. He's a rookie, so you can't count on anything to this point. But a bigger slice of the pie here for Jordan Elliott, athletic um, you know, gap shooter similar to Larry Ogunjobi, similar to Sheldon Richardson. You're missing that big body presence of an Andrew Billings. But the opportunity for, you know, Jordan Elliott here, and you have these three rookies, you know, drafted in the second, and then obviously the two in the third round between Elliott and Phillips here. 
Um, opportunity for playing time is here. It is here. It's high. You guys played in SEC schools. None of this should really be that big for you. You know, opportunities here for three rookies on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, so Jordan Elliott, he's he's look, he's really really talented. I just think his play style is really hard to pull off as a rookie. Um, he he is quick off the ball, but he's really a power player first. And I'm what you know when I've when I've been able to watch you know on that super tight view, he's often in the picture. He's trying to do some things with his hands and, and play quicker. It's tough because what his his game has been is driving an offensive lineman into the backfield and basically, you know, using quickness or, or getting rid of them to finish the play. Um, and that's tougher to do when you're you know, barely 22 and you're going against grown men uh, who are, you know, who have been in physically trained for, for years and years and years. So, you're, you know, it's difficult to try to like, for example, just shuck Wyatt Teller out of the way. I mean, he's, a hugely strong man or Joel Batonio. Um, I, I, you know, I, I'm encouraged by what, by what I've seen Jordan Elliott try to do. I, I think he's trying to figure some things out, but it wouldn't surprise me in the least if he, if he has a if struggles uh, as a rookie, just because uh, it, it just takes a little bit of time for that type of defensive lineman to sort of be able to, uh, you know, get, comfortable get maximized because it's just it's it's just a real challenge you're you know guys who tend to to succeed early at that position are really quick off the ball uh, able to shoot gaps and, and cause problems that way and that's just not Jordan Elliott's game he's not a guy who's going to shoot gaps he's a guy who wants to get hands on and, and beat you that way so uh, I'm hoping that he can you know show something he doesn't need to be like you know, an impact player either. He only needs to be able to contribute like 15 snaps a game, uh, you know, full on energy and all that. But that it's just a difficult thing to do. And it's, you know, you, you don't avoid drafting that type of player because of that. You sort of understand it's like taking a tight end. There's an incubation period. It's going to take a little bit of time. So Jordan Elliott looks like somebody who can, can be helpful as a power three, uh, but it's just going to take a little bit of time to get there. Uh, and again, now, if they are looking to replace Billings presence and there's somebody they have interest in, uh, maybe something you want to get on here quickly as Dallas Cowboys um, and Gerald McCoy, who got a lot of run here over the last couple of off seasons on Lockdown Browns, um, obviously you know, blew up his uh, blew up his quad um, you know, after the season. So now the Cowboys, who you know had a nice defensive line on paper, but there was some age to it. Uh, significant loss there. So they might be in the market. So if it is something Andrew there is looking to address, you might want to go ahead and get on that one rather quickly. Uh, some thoughts here, you know, on the first couple of days, we're going to get to here in the last segment, Jeff Lloyd, Pete Smith on Locked on Browns. iTunes, Spotify. If you were not subscribed to Locked on Browns, please correct that for me right now. Thank you. Kindly make sure you drop a five-star rating. Make sure you drop a written review here. Um, as I was saying to some people yesterday on Twitter, it's just nice to actually be talking about football again. And I appreciate all of you who hung in here, you know, throughout, you know, as we were dealing with COVID and, you know, trying to manufacture content when we really had nothing to go off of. And I do appreciate everybody for hanging along, you know, hanging along. And now here we are back, um, obviously with football to talk about so far. So, you know, so far, so good as far as everything around the league, as far as, you know, the way they're handling this the way they're handling their players, um, players, please just, you know, Go to practice, go home, nothing else. But iTunes, Spotify, go ahead and make sure you are subscribed 
to locked on Browns. Now, over Labor Day weekend last year, Taiwan Taylor, Browns went traded for him, basically was on the roster last year, Pete, but had no place on the roster, really wasn't a part of anything. We've done a lot of these discussions about the wide receiver position and where you know wide receiver three, four, five, six, you know, be as it may, how it's going to work out. But Taiwan Taylor quietly is kind of making a little bit of a presence for himself. Um, he's been involved, obviously, with all you know, with the with the wide zone and obviously wanting uh, you know to get the defense moving left to right here. There's you know a lot of counter type of stuff in you know with reverses and things like that, keeping the quarterbacks on the move. Uh, there's been reverse calls to Taiwan Taylor. He probably had the biggest offensive play yesterday uh, on a 30-yard reception over the middle, which is really not really where a guy of his size is going to make his bread and butter. But Taiwan Taylor and, you know, there's whether it's Montgomery and you know, Hodge and, you know, if Ratley can get back to the field and obviously the rookie and Donovan Peoples-Jones. But Taiwan Taylor, and this is just, again, everybody's trying to get an op- – everybody's getting an opportunity to run with Baker Mayfield, to run with the ones, with people rotating in and out. And for Taiwan Taylor, this is probably, you know, the most he's been talked about and for damn sure anything most he's probably ever done in almost the full year now that he's been with the Cleveland Browns. So because of the way you have a, a double tight end uh, based offense and your two receivers are the main deal, you have a lot of options with that third receiver. You don't have to have a certain type of receiver. You're, you, you have all the options in the world in terms of how you want to deal with this. You can make them sort of like a, a joker type player. You can make them a, you know, a true receiver. You can make them a, you know, full on deep threat. You could, you know, it just depends on what you want to do. Um, even during the draft process, I, you know, I highlighted some guys that were sort of like, you know, running backs uh, type receivers that could go in there because you can just put them wherever. Give them the Basically everybody on the 49ers wide receiver roster. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you just have so many options because when you're not relying on that third receiver to be like a main part of your offense and it becomes sort of like an opportunity to think outside the box. So, you know, that may be good for Taiwan Taylor, who didn't really show much uh, last year. Uh, you, you, you barely remember he was on the team. Uh, but, like, that can be why Kareem Hunt is successful out there because you don't need him to be a polished receiver. You just need him to be a threatening option. So. Let's say you, you, you're running, you know, you, you take Njoku off the field, you put him, uh, you know, a guy like Kareem Hunt on the field, and you send Odell Beckham down the field, Jarvis Landry's working in the middle of the field, and, and you've got a tight end working, you know, the middle or something like that. Like Kareem Hunt can basically just stand there, turn, and look for the ball. I mean, because there's so many threatening things working down the field that it doesn't take much to create opportunities to get the ball in the player's hands like that. So that's in a situation where Taiwan Taylor, because of his athleticism, may be better than he would have been in last year's offense because he doesn't need to be, you know, a polished receiver that gets open. It would be better if he is, uh, certainly. But that's also something that may hurt a guy like Rashard Higgins. You know, Rashard Higgins is a more polished receiver who has the ability to really create opportunities for himself and, and create separation. But He's just not as physically gifted as a Kareem Hunt. He's not as physically gifted as a Taiwan Taylor or those type of things. So, you know, there's a, a wider array of ways you can think about that position and what you want from it than just, well, Richard Higgins is the best the best receiver, so we're going to take him because he he can get open and, and, and make some plays on third down. You can look at that as a big play position. And, and 
Kevin Stefanski was at Minnesota, uh, wasn't, you know, wasn't a coordinator or anything at that point, but they did this with Cordero Patterson where he was sort of a wild card, you know, he was an extra back out there. And, and Percy and I, Harvin before that. And Percy Harvin. So that's always, always looked at this when they, when they basically, you know, admitted or whether they've even really admitted or not, when they get into a best 11 mentality of who are your best 11 players on the field, you know, presumably Beckham, Landry, Cooper, Chubb, and then Hunt might be that next guy that, you know, you're just putting the best, best athletes on the field, your best players on the field, regardless of, you know, specific role. And then you're just sort of allowing them to create uh, matchup problems and, and find the, find ways to get them the ball to allow them to function in space. So yeah, that, that becomes, you know, a wild card, a joker, however you want to call it it really opens up the amount of ways you can sort of attack a defense and think of that position. Now, for me, obviously, there was one player that's you know kind of making you know somewhat a little bit noise for himself. Now, David Njoku, the Browns have a heavy investment. Yesterday, there was the return of the David Njoku with issues of catching the ball. Meanwhile, Harrison, Bra- Harrison Bryan catches one over the middle, takes a huge pop from Grant Delpit, holds on to the ball, with David Njoku here, look, the Browns have a lot of faith in him, and he is just a more athletic and about as athletic as you can possibly ever get for a tight end. But they're with them giving the understanding that he will probably never be the blocker they would wish for him to be, Pete, the, the, the catching of the ball has got to become more consistent because if these other guys can even just match him in blocking and prove that they're going to hold on to the ball when it's thrown to him, David Njoku, he's got to start hauling these balls in. Yeah, I mean, look, he it, it's just, uh, you know, that he may be Eric Ebron, uh, and that's, you know, fine, but, you're, you're, you know, that wasn't enough for Detroit. That's why they let him walk. It, it was great in Indianapolis, and now he's with the Steelers. Um He's bigger, he's stronger than most of those other guys. He's obviously got the experience to block in line. He's got the length to block in line. Uh, and this offense is going to put him in position to get really easy matchups, theoretically, uh, because they have to defenses have to deal with those top receivers, and they have to deal with Hooper. And they still have to think about Chubb. Um, if if Njoku, like, I've said it before, written this, but, if Njoku can't succeed in this offense, he's not. He's just not going to. So it's on him. He's got to make it happen. He, you know, this. He's never going to be in a better situation to sort of really thrive in an offense. So this is where we have to. Uh, he has to sort of fig, work his way through it, be a consistent player because it will never be easier for him uh, than it is with with this this offense. Definitely, it's time for the rubber to meet the road. And with playing the second tight end where it is on the field so often and them understanding the fact that he's not going to be the ideal blocker that people would want him to be. You know, look for David Njoku. The opportunity is here. But, I mean, you, you got to catch these passes because there are other people in that room that could get the opportunity. So, uh, that, that's for me, that was just something to this point where I'm noticing it's standing out maybe not in the best of ways. I'm going to put a bow on this one here. Uh, you know, training camp today, same deal, obviously 215, um, hopefully for better weather today. Um, yesterday was a pretty much dang monsoon for everything they were trying to do team period. And then by the end of the practice, it was you know nicer. But look, you know, can't, 
and always control the weather. So you got to be ready for, you know, both phases of the game, you know, and this, you know, in the North, let's just relax with that folks, guys. Um, weather is not that bad pretty much anywhere, especially, you know, <laughs> within November or whatever. We haven't seen that much lately. So let's all just chill with that talk. Make sure you check in everything out at Browns Digest on SI.com. Pete and his team are doing a fantastic job over there. So make sure you're looking at all, you know, checking everything out and all the written pieces over there. Follow at underscore Pete Smith, the show itself at Locked On Browns, all over case. Follow back account, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, you know, DMs you know, by any means, you know, questions you got, ideas, you know, things you want to hear about. I'm always looking for suggestions and, you know, we'll certainly take the opportunity. And if it's good enough, we will certainly run with it. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns. All right. You know, it's.